Next on BYUSN, is BYU football better than a five-win team next season? Who set the mark at five? And the nation's leading rebounder, Lauren Gustin, is in studio. We'll show her deep blue as well. Apparently, it's a Lauren Gustin show. Welcome to BYUSN, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. I am Spencer Linton, joining us in just a moment, Jerem Jordan. On today's show, we revisit some of ESPN Statman Bill Connolly's projection from yesterday's show. Yeah, he's the guy that said BYU, based on the numbers, number 62 in his SP+, is pacing for five wins. Are the Cougars better than a five-win team? And he says the key to getting better than five wins probably requires an uptick on offense. Lauren Gustin, we just mentioned her. She is in studio. She's breaking records seemingly by the game. And we have a deep blue special with her as well. Also, relatable carpet basketball. What the heck does that mean? We'll explain. And the biggest miracle in Cougar sports history Plus, Jackson Emery has ideas for Danny Ainge and the Utah Jazz. Here are today's headlines. And they begin with Fusini Traore of BYU men's basketball and Emma Calvert of BYU women's basketball named to their respective CSC academic all-district teams. Those squads recognize the nation's top student-athletes for their combined performances on the court and in the classroom. You know who also is great on the court and in the classroom? Jerem Jordan! No, I was, I was uh, neither of those, uh, court or classroom. <laughs> Baseball begins its second series of the season today, a four-game series against the Louisiana Raging Cajuns with radio coverage on BYU Radio's app tonight, 7 Eastern time. Shep on the call doing his tour of the bayou. BYU men's tennis earning singles and doubles players of the week honors. Dominic Yakovlevich named the WCC Men Tennis Singles Player of the Week. Jack Barnett and Matteo Vero named the Doubles Team of the Week. Well done to all of those gentlemen. And two gymnastics, beam specialist Elise Rollins is a nominee for the AAI Award presented to the nation's most outstanding senior. She's having a fantastic season. She is a super senior, but not that type of super senior, like an actual senior that is super Yeah, impressed. like I was here a, a second senior year academically. <laughs> Not that kind. She's much better. So, uh, fun story about Elise before we get into trending. Her head coach, Guard Young, says she is the Rudy of BYU women's gymnastics. Yes. Uh, there's a deep look coming out in a couple of weeks ago. It will chronicle some of that story, which is uh, pretty cool. So, congratulations to Elise, who also happens to be a Copper Hills Grizzly. Okay. Yeah. Now, that's, what, that's why we're casting the extra spotlight. Absolutely. <laughs> All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. Chase Roberts. Love that touchdown catch. What's Trending presented by Bodyguards Protection for a Life Worth Living. Learn more at Bodyguards.com. A five-win season? Yikes. No, no. Bill Connolly, statsman, great dude, friend of the program, joined us yesterday and gave us some great insights. Based on his projections, I asked him, what does number 62 in the SP Plus mean in terms of a win-loss record? And he said, well, it 
equals five wins based on my numbers. Jerem, is BYU better than a five-win team next season going into the Big 12? We'd like to think so, Spence. Uh, five won't cut it. Uh, bowl game, always the minimum threshold. We'll never be like, you know what, four and eight was good. Uh, no. <laughs> Can you imagine? Five and seven, unacceptable. Yeah, not Four and eight, yeah. Not for this program. Now, uh, Utah, when it went into the Pac-12, uh, went five and seven, two of the first three years. They were eight and five that second year. BYU's better suited to enter the Big 12 than Utah was in the Pac-12 because BYU's played independence and played these schedules that at the time I thought were too tough for no reason. Well, when you're entering the Big 12, you're ramping up, right? And BYU the last couple years has played some tough schedules. They weren't Big 12 schedules. They weren't Power 5 schedules, but they were as hard as they could be without being an actual Power 5 team because as an independent, BYU could play the schedule it wanted. It played tough schedules. They weren't a Mountain West uh, schedule like the past where you play two or maybe three P5s max in a season. BYU was playing up to seven some years, five and six the last couple, right? I think, um, like we've talked about, I, I've said, hey, if BYU makes a bowl game, that was, that was a good first year. You've said, hey, seven and five, right? Five would not be acceptable. So that's what Bill's projecting. But the great unknown, and there's lots of unknown going into next season on offense in particular with some of the primary playmakers, and Keaton Slovis, of course, at quarterback. Can he be 2019 USC Keaton Slovis uh, in this offense? And with his health, his shoulder's good, his back's good. Aiden Robbins out of UNLV expected to be RB1. It's really the defense to me, Spence. Mm. We don't exactly know how much better BYU will be, but I guarantee it, you'll like the way the defense looks, is that BYU is going to look better. New defensive coordinator with Jay Hill. New staff. They probably can't be much worse. That's not to offend anybody on the BYU defense. They just haven't been very good the a last two years. defense that's ranked basically 100th out of 130-plus teams, not great. No thanks. Um, 79 in SP Plus defensively two years ago, 95th last year. We're just asking for top half. We're ta asking for top 60 probably. And if the offense is what it uh, has been the last couple years, which is, hey, uh, top 50, top 40-ish, then yes, BYU should exceed that five-win uh, uh, number. But – They've got to do it. They, got, they have to go out and do it against the toughest schedule, uh, you know, BYU's had in a while in terms of, not in terms of uh, perhaps uh, quality, because you could argue there are some years in the past, even in the Mountain West, where BYU played some real quality teams, non-conference, you stack them up, you're like, hey, number one USC has been on the schedule, number five so-and-so. It's top to bottom this is the toughest schedule in BYU history because 10 P5. 100%. I want to play a couple of sound bites from yesterday's conversation with Bill, beginning with exactly what he said about BYU being a five-win team. The average win total that I'm looking at right now is around five. Big variation in, in potential here, though, because uh, not a lot of sure losses. You got the, the extremely likely wins at the start. Not a ton of sure losses. Just a lot of games where BYU is a slight underdog. And that's why mm. I love that he clarified it in that way. It's not as simple as just, yeah, five wins. But yeah. there are so many games on the schedule that he is projecting will be close games. He later specified a home game against Texas Tech a home game against Iowa State. Those games, if they swing BYU's favor, then very quickly BYU is a six- or seven-win team. You just And he also pointed out the home game against Cincinnati. Yeah. Those are all going to be so closely contested, at least by the numbers going in, that if BYU can win some of those games, 
then again, we're talking about, yeah, bowl eligibility mm -hmm. or a seven-win team. Or even eight. If, if One-score games are a big deal, Spence. Like, when you look at the, the seasons where BYU had some real success, they won a lot of those close games. TCU unbelievably played a ton of close games and won all of them <laughs> but one, and then they had a blowout uh, in the national title game, of course. But, like, you have to win tight games. Last year, BYU wins in overtime uh, against Baylor. They lose a one-score game against Notre Dame. Yeah. They lose a one-score game against ECU. They win a one-score game at Boise State. They win a one-point game against SMU. Those t a swing a season. It's really important to pull off tight wins. Now, you can make games not one-score game by being terrible or being better, um, by putting the pedal down, by beating a team by multiple scores. Yeah, what if a few of those games that BYU played in that ended in wins swing the other way? Now we're talking about a 6-7 and seven team. Yeah, It's Very a totally easily. different rhetoric. Or a 9-3 and three team in the regular season yeah. if you beat Notre Dame. That's a right? credit to BYU for winning and the majority of those close games last year and what feels like the majority of those games in the recent years. So, yeah, that, that's a good trend for BYU yeah. to have. Can they keep it in the Big 12? And I, like you, tend to think, well, clearly BYU's defense just needs to be better to help win some of those close games. Yeah. But I asked Bill again, all right, based on the numbers, where do you think BYU could beat the statistics and the projections going in? This is what he said. So I can see um... – you know, they're projected 42nd. I could see a top 30 offense coming Ooh. out of that. And like I said, if you can, if you can exceed projections just a little bit, that could pay off with a number of, uh, that could tip a number of close games overall. Now, Jerem, he said, look, I know Jay Hill's coming in. And I think that BYU's defense could be better, but I feel more, it better be better. I feel more confident that BYU's offense would exceed expectations than the defense exceeding expectations. So he's putting more trust in Keaton Slovis and Aiden Robbins and all the guys you just talked about like, a few moments ago, the receivers. Just, yeah, yeah. The offensive line has some spots to fill, but there's still a core group there led by Connor Pay and Kingsley Suomataia. And so, Paul Miley comes in on that yeah, line, which is there's, nice. there's experience yeah, there. Yeah. So I thought that was very interesting that he leans yeah. toward the offense, which is, hey, 42nd is not terrible. That's top third of college football. I'd be okay with that in the Big 12 in year one. I really would. But he says 82nd for defense. That's his projected end-of-year number? Yeah. Is that what he's saying? Can BYU be better than that? I just want top half. Give me yes. 66. Top, top 60, yeah, 66 great. short. Get, repeating, right of course. in the middle. Give me 66. And if BYU even holds at his projection on offense of 42, then they're going to win seven games. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, and here's where the argument comes down to. The unknown of Jay Hill as a D1 coordinator versus the known of Aaron Roderick as a D1 coordinator and what is Keaton Slovis, what is Aiden Robbins, um, and so on and so forth. Offensively, Aaron Roderick is one of the most proven OCs in the game right now. The last couple of years, BYU's been tremendous. Look back at last year. You think about the offense and, and what they did or didn't do in certain times. Um, EPA, expected points added, that defines the value of each pl play on the likelihood to score. This is an emerging metric in football. BYU was 19th offensively in EPA last year, 17th in offensive success rate. That is, you get a certain percentage of yards on a certain down towards a first down, right? BYU 17th. And that was 22. 
21 was really good. 20 was even better. Granted, 20 is a big asterisk year, right? Given the schedule, BYU did great with what they could. The last three years, Aaron Roderick has done awesome stuff. He's producing NFL quarterbacks. BYU is putting up points. They're, they're in the metrics that matter. They're doing good things. Obviously, there's room for improvement. We talked about it ad nauseum. Defensively, BYU was 112 in EPA. Yikes. Just really, really bad. I believe the offense is going to be better than expected. Okay. If it's 42, I think they'll be top 40. E even in the Big 12, that's the hope. Even if it's a few spots. Even if it's a few spots. And let's say they're not. Let's say they're 50th on offense. Okay. You're in the Big 12 and playing 10 P5s. It's a different standard. Defensively, BYU's got to be... Uh, you can't be 95th again. Notably better. You can't be 95th You've got to improve 20 or 30 spots to be in a bowl situation. Now, here's the thing. BYU's entering the Big 12. The, the, the thing with Big 12 ball has always been, it feels like, the last couple of years, it's going to be shootouts, okay? So the defense, the, some of those numbers against a tougher schedule and style of play, because let's be honest, BYU's built more like a Big 10 team than a Big 12 team, meaning speed on the perimeters, secondary, chase them, outscore them. Um, and not to say BYU hasn't done that in a couple of years, but BYU has a physical big offensive line, quality run game, doesn't turn it over. Like, BYU is more like a Big Ten team traditionally um, the last couple years. This isn't the 80 where BYU's throwing for 400 yards a game. You know what I mean? Like, no, we want it that, to be that. That is what the Big 12 is most of the time. Not every team is that way. They have some good ground games still. But, like, is going to have to win multiple games where they give up 30-plus a game. Multiple games. Like, Toledo 2016 going to happen a little more than – than you think, but it's fun. It's it's uh, entertaining uh, visually, but the defense is going to stress the heck out. Now I'm sure some of you are like, okay, well, does the SP plus really resonate? Does it really matter? I just want to go back over the past three seasons and and where BYU started yeah. and where they finished in this metric yeah. in 2020. And again, this is with an asterisk sure. because the schedule got wiped out and BYU played who they could play. Their and toughest break. opponents were Houston. Boise State and UCF. Coastal, I would argue, was Coastal tough. was also a good team. Coastal was the toughest opponent. Okay. 2020, BYU started at number 53 in the SP+. They finished number seven. Really B good. BYU was one of the best teams in the country in 2020 by the metric. 2021, 10-3, 5-0 oh against the Pac-12. Started number 52 because they lost Zach Wilson and yep. Dax Millen, five draft picks. Yep. They finished 46. So a six-spot jump was still good enough to give BYU 10 wins on the season. It's not everything. It's not a top 25 ranking. But it's something. It's something. There's still I, some improvement I, from where they were projected. I value SP Plus more than I do any ranking. I agree. It's a metric that matters a lot to me. Yes. It, it's not an opinion poll. It's based on uh, data. It is a quality efficiency metric yeah. for offense, defense, and special teams. Yeah. And returning production and all that. 2022, BYU starts number 23. So we're all feeling good. Super high. Number one in the country in returning production. Yeah. They finished number 70, a 47-spot drop yeah. to eight and five. Bill joked yesterday, he's like, BYU broke the metric. <laughs> <laughs> they, they somehow. They beat the system. Somehow they in went In the wrong eight. way. BYU is supposed to go five and eight with those numbers, probably. Yeah. Weird, right? You win a couple close games. Start number 62. If BYU finishes, let's say they do what they, the 2021 squad did, and they just finish plus six. They finished 56. Defense is somewhere in the low 70s. Offense is around 40. They're a bowl team, and there's, they're getting better again. 
So that's what I am expecting BYU to do. I don't, I don't know which side of the ball is going to be better. We both hope that it's defense and in a major way. Well, overall or above expectation? Based on this expectation, I hope the defense, again, middle of the pack, 66. This is BYU. I always hope the offense is better. And the offense Every year. at 42, we're hoping that they're a top 40 offense. Yeah. Is that too much? Is that too much to I hope think for? in the Big 12, you want your offense to be better than your defense. Because you're going to have to outshoot some people. I don't hate that idea. Yeah. And this is BYU. What we do is offense. It's what <laughs> we do. But defensively, BYU's had some really skilled players and some really good defense over the years as well. Here's a question to think about. Maybe we'll answer this in the whip. What's more likely, for BYU to be a top 30 offense next season, year one of the Big 12, or to win five games and go the opposite direction? Okay. I love it and hate it. <laughs> Our question of the day is this. Based on Dang. Bill Connolly's projections, yep. is BYU better than a five-win football team next season? Please! Ben Peterson on Twitter says, I believe BYU can get more than five wins. Mm -hmm. It really depends on how well the new quarterback, Keaton Slovis, 100%. and running back, Aiden Robbins, fit in and play. Yep. BYU is going to make the biggest difference. Oh, sorry. Those players are going to make the biggest difference in what kind of season it will be for BYU. Certainly, they are spotlighted in a way that uh, you know Ben Bywater and Malik Moore are not. Um, because they influence the game in a way that, that those guys can influence. Like, Ben's like, I'll just pick six, Ed, if we need to win this game uh, and get seven points. Like, that helps in that game for sure. But, like, Aiden Robbins needs to be better than Chris Brooks, and Keaton Slovis needs to be 80% of what Jaron Hall was. He needs to hold on to the ideal of not turning the ball over, which BYU has really done a nice job with the past few years. I hope he's that guy. I'm like BYU just produced two NFL quarterbacks. Maybe that's part of the reason is, is that particular metric. But uh, Keaton can do other things that he does well mm. to make up for that. I'm, ex I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, blanket statement, generalized. <laughs> I'm just excited. We are very excited. I just want to see this unfold on I the know. field. And luckily it's happening. To my, oh, wait, it's not. <laughs> Watch BYU basketball with Mark Pope on demand if you missed it. Uh, Coach uh, and Greg Rubel and the walk-ons. Joined the program last night. It's on demand on BYUSN.com and the BYU TV app. What's the countdown at? Six months away oh, gosh. from college football. And a week. Up next, one-on-one -on -one with the top rebounder in the country. Lauren Gustin in studio ahead of two huge, uh, huge games to close out the regular season. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Bodyguards. Protection for a life worth living. Offensive rebound, Gustin, the putback is good. I'll take, uh, you know, 17 points and 16 rebounds a game. Thank you very much. It is the Lauren Gustin portion of the show now. We are live in Studio B with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. -play. Jerem Jordan one-on-one -on -one with the nation's top rebounder, Lauren Gustin now. Always great to have Lauren in studio. How you doing, Lauren? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Uh, did you make it through Snowmageddon across yeah, the way from uh, the annex? It's crazy out there today, right? I know. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Crazy. Yeah. School's going to be interesting today for everybody. Practice. But you guys uh, got to put in that work because you have a huge week yep, uh, with yep. Portland and Gonzaga. You certainly have a chance to, uh, you know, make the best seed you can going into Vegas. Mm -hmm. What does this week mean given you have the top two teams in the league coming to Provo? Yeah, um, like you said, it's huge. Um, 
I think these these two games we've been looking forward to kind of all season, you know, because they were we had them our first conference two games, and I feel like at that time we weren't really prepared and you know had kind of really come together yet as a team. So um, I think we're excited to be able to play them again, especially at our home, and kind of have that advantage and yeah, hopefully be able to pull off two wins going into the tournament. So. It'd be huge, yeah. uh, and I expect the crowds to be huge as well. Come out yes. to the Marriott Center Thursday night, uh, 7 o'clock Mountain Time, Saturday at 2 p.m. Mountain Time, both those on BYU TV, of course. Um, that was a weird setup at the beginning of conference play, mm -hmm. by the way. A Saturday and a Monday. Certainly playing on a Monday, unique to BYU. You guys don't practice Sunday. It doesn't mean you don't, like, talk and yeah, scheme, yeah. <laughs> but you're not getting out on the court putting up shots. Um, how difficult was that, and how much more prepared do you feel this week given you are a different team and mm -hmm. you have more days to prepare. Yeah, um, yeah, it definitely was difficult on Sunday. We kind of couldn't really do a whole lot. We walked through some other stuff in the hotel room and uh, went over film. But um, I feel like this week we're definitely a lot more prepared. You know, we've kind of been able to go back and watch our game against them um, at the start of the season and um, be able to kind of reassess what we need to work on. And then, like you said, we have more, day more days to um, get ready for them. So I feel like we're mentally and physically a lot more prepared. Portland's got uh, one of the best players in the league, Alex Fowler. Mm -hmm. Is that a matchup that you sort of look forward to, given kind of how similar your games are mm -hmm. that way? Yeah, yeah, she's a great player, really smart, um, really physical, uh, knows the game super well. So, um, you know, she's also very humble and um, she works hard. So it's fun to play against someone, you know, that's um, just really, really puts in the work. So I'm excited. She's a, she's a great player. So An Australian that didn't go to St. Mary's. Yeah. Uh, one of the rare <laughs> ones in the league. Um, with a player like that and, uh, and other players, mm -hmm. are you talking during the game with opponents? Like some players do, some mm -hmm. players don't. What, what are you like? Um, I wish I could talk trash. But oh, I, I'm not even talking trash. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm just saying talking. Just in general, like yeah. I wish I could. Uh, but I definitely, I feel like I'm during the game I get so locked into like what I need to do that I can't even like talk a whole lot. So, I mean, I'm talking with my girls, but um, not really a whole lot of conversation with other players. Sometimes on the free throw line we'll just chat about you know, like little small things here, but nothing really crazy. Is it always game-centric? Um, Is it ever non-get, like a funny thing, like, oh, yeah. did you see that? Um, sometimes we'll talk, sometimes I'll get weird questions, like about BYU, like on the free throw line. Like, From the opponent? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like questions and things they have about BYU, like, can you swear here? And just stuff like that, <laughs> just funny, like random things. You're like, but... yes, don't get caught. Uh, yeah. Um, just funny things like that. What else do they ask you? Uh, they asked me if I like BYU. Um, You're like, no, I hate it. Yeah, I know. I'm like, yeah. yeah. And uh, just kind of like the <laughs> weather and just random things here and there, like, yeah. you know, where we get our shoes or um, uh, just like my favorite thing about camp. It's just weird stuff like that, like mid free throw line, but it's yeah. always fun, good conversation. Did but. that ever break up sort of the focus there? Because you seem like mm -hmm. you said you're focused. You're like, I'm just trying to get a rebound here. I don't want to talk yeah, about yeah. my <laughs> Nike, whatever. Um, I think, if anything, it kind of like. Uh, like relaxes me a little bit just yeah. because sometimes I do get so like focused that I'm kind of not really not necessarily not enjoying but I'm so dialed in that I can't really like breathe for a second so when like someone asks me a question like that it's kind of just makes me realize like oh we're playing a game like yeah, yeah. So. you forget sometimes right? <laughs> yeah we're talking with Lauren Gustin on BYU Sports Nation who on the team is the person who yes they're still focused but they are sort of having fun with sort of conversational or or funny and the game. Mm -hmm. who on the team is sort of that person yeah um, I think what's what's uh, fun about our team is a lot of girls are like that like a lot of us are you know having a good time laughing um, but then 
when the lights come on, like, you know, we're dialed in. I think Smiler's a good example. She's always, like, dancing and having a good time, but then she can focus up real quick and get, you know, really dialed in. Um, but I think that's one thing I really like about our team is all of us kind of um, can have that fun time and um, but also be able to be dialed in when it's time to go, so. I feel like Kaylee Smiler could be the Jamal Williams. Uh, yeah. <laughs> BYU Women's Basketball yeah. Team, given her ability to dance, which mm -hmm. we saw in her debut. Oh, 100%. Yeah. No, she's a, she's a great dancer. <laughs> she's always in the weight room, too. We're always listening to music, and she's always just, you know, throwing a little moves here and there between yeah. sets. So It's fun to have two Kiwis on the team. Mm -hmm. There have been a few over the years. Yeah. Shalay Salmon comes to mind, among others. Um, how does... How does kind of their New Zealand and specifically Maori culture, does that ever mm -hmm. uh, make its way onto the court with the team in any way, in your opinion? Because we kind of saw mm -hmm. that in Kaylee's Deep Blue, what her Maori culture means to her. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think just everything that Smiler stands for in general um, just kind of She's shows. She's Smiler to you guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. we call her Smiler. Yeah, Kaylee Smiler, yeah. Um, I think just kind of shows uh, through her personality. Um, she's a very um, – She's a, she, I feel like she carries her culture very well, and so she's always like a, it's, it's fun and a great example to kind of listen to and um, learn things from her. So uh, her and Ari are both um, super, super great people to be around. So, yeah, I would say their culture carries for sure. It's, it's fun to be able to have different cultures and, um, you know, people from different countries and stuff kind of come together. So. Yeah, on the women's team, it's uh -huh. New Zealand. On the men's team, there's three players from Africa. Yeah. So it's cool to have those different <laughs> yeah. cultures and customs and uh -huh. languages, which is fun. Um, we buried the lead here, but congratulations on setting the Thank single you. season <laughs> record in the WCC in rebounding. What did Thank that mean you. to you? Um, I think, I mean, it's a great, great honor. Um, fortunately, couldn't pull out the win, you know, the day that <laughs> things happen like that. So, um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited. It's it's been, it's been fun to, you know, be able to, playing the WCC and be able to get that, you know, our last year being here, so. Did you, before the season, have any specific goals relative to rebounding? Because certainly mm -hmm. you've been an awesome rebounder before. You've taken a step forward. Was there a uh, sort of a written goal for you this year mm -hmm. to kind of take that next step, or is this just a natural evolution? Um, I would say uh, the start of this year, um, Coach Amber had us all kind of write our own personal goals, um, and one of them for sure was uh, average double-double and to be in the top um, – top rebounder so I didn't necessarily have like one or two in the top you know as far as like listing but I knew I wanted to kind of be up there um so I think that you know it's, it's going you know good so far but I just gotta keep it up because I just want to get wins at the end of the day so if is if there's ever a game where you don't have like 15 rebounds or something <laughs> are you disappointed or do you look and go oh we shot 50 percent there were fewer yeah there were f or the other team made some shots yeah. or whatever I mean, if we're shooting well, then I'm happy, you know, just whatever that takes. But, um, yeah, I mean, some games when both teams are making, you know, a lot of shots, it's, it's definitely harder to get boards. But um, if we're shooting well, I'm, I'm happy with it. So, You're 23 rebounds away from the single-season BYU record, which was set by all-timer uh -huh. Tina Gunn-Robison in 1979 and 80. Uh, she's walking around campus, so is Danny Ainge at that point. That's uh -huh. how long it's been. 23 rebounds um what would that mean what will that mean to you when you break that record perhaps thursday night or it mm -hmm. seems like saturday yeah um well she's a legend i feel like she you know carries all sorts of records around here so it's great to be able to compete against um someone like that for you know a record uh i think you know breaking out will be exciting um you know definitely uh, a big accomplishment but Okay, uh, in your Deep Blue, which we're going to air mm -hmm. later in the show, yeah. and uh, it came out yesterday, your dad kind of talks about, well, 
to get in some of the young games mm -hmm. with your older brothers and your sister and whatnot, um, you had to rebound. That was the thing yeah. you had to do. Is that where it started for you? Where rebounding sort of became a, a thing that you did well? Yeah, I would say I think that was like one of the only really ways that I could kind of get in there and compete with them. <laughs> so I kind of had to. Um, so I think at that age, I kind of grew a love for um, just rebounding and trying to contribute in ways that I could to be able to get on the court. And in the deep blue, as you'll see, you've been on quite the journey, multiple high schools, multiple state titles, mm -hmm. uh, Idaho, Salt Lake Community College, BYU. What has it kind of taken for you to get to this point in terms of the adversity you've overcome to get to where you are? Because I think people mm -hmm. maybe look and they go, oh, the, the leading rebounder. Life's maybe been easy for mm -hmm. It's been nothing but it yeah. feels like. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's definitely been you know, up and down, you know, and there's been times where, you know, I was close to giving up and then, you know, kind of kept going and um, a whole kind of array of journey that I went through. So I think all those different steps kind of, you know, made me who I am today and kind of made me appreciate things more and want to, you know, work harder and fight for things more just because I know that it did take me, you know, a couple different directions to get where I am. Um, but I wouldn't, you know, change it for, you know, really anything because I feel like if I went straight from, um, high school straight to BYU. Um, I don't know if I would, you know, maybe have the same work ethic or drive or um, kind of motivation behind that. And when you say, um, you know, maybe maybe would have given up, like not play college basketball, was that an option yeah. at some point? Yeah, no, definitely. Mentally? Yeah, after um, Idaho before, so like I was in a tough spot where I didn't know if you know if I wanted to continue playing, or at that point, you know, because this is before the 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 transfer portal was a thing or any of that, so. Um, I was kind of in a weird situation because it was, you know, end of, you know, end of semester. Like I couldn't just go to another D1 and I couldn't really even talk to other schools at that point either because of all the NCAA rules and stuff. So I was put in like a really weird position of do I just want to, you know, go home and finish the semester just online and then figure out if I want to play after that or just go straight to, you know, JUCO and try to grind that out and figure out from there where to go. So. And you end up going to Salt Lake mm -hmm. Community College, and you mentioned in the D Blue you were offered even before the, before the season started. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You did like Spencer Johnson went through something similar, but he had to sort of earn his mm -hmm. way into something. Did that give you the confidence to play any different, knowing oh BYU still wants me, like mm -hmm. I'm still wanted at a high level? Yeah, I think it definitely gave me some confidence um, going into this that season, just you know knowing that you know I was still wanted by other schools, and just kind of helped me find out like yeah like this is what I'm supposed to be doing like this is kind of who I am you know um and that slick was just you know it's part of the part of the path to get to BYU so it also kind of helped me play more relaxed and not like oh I and you know I need to prove myself to to these schools that you know I'm worthy to go back to D1 so yeah I can imagine getting that before the scenes like mm -hmm. oh okay yeah <laughs> uh, I'm gonna be all right yeah it's and gonna be okay <laughs> now when and part of what's been so enjoyable about sort of the deep uh, deep blue is humanizing athletes mm -hmm. We, I think we kind of act like once you get to a point of success, like everything's good. You're not dealing with anything mm -hmm. anymore, which is not true. You're still dealing with different things or similar things. You're just sort of suppressing that in mm -hmm. some way maybe or overcoming. What are you still kind of uh, battling against to be, still be the leading rebounder in the country? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I definitely, I mean, I get, I get anxious before games, nervous. You know, I think that's definitely normal. Um, but I think also just trying to, you know, um, deal with you know everything outside of life too you know your social life and you know everything um spiritual and mental and physical and all that stuff uh just trying to have a good balance um and trying to have like a healthy balance i feel like not trying to put too much into one thing um but i think you know that's definitely something that 
a lot of you know athletes deal with is just trying to balance life um and then I think sometimes too just um having like time for just like myself where I can kind of uh, decompress and whatnot and I think that's where the weight room comes in uh huge for me just because that is kind of an outlet where I can um relax and decompress because you know your mind's always going with you know game plans and basketball and you know what school assignments you got to get in oh by the way school (laughs) yeah seriously yeah so um yeah but I mean luckily and with BYU having you know all the resources we have around me and and having teammates that go through the same thing and having great coaches to like call and you know talk to all the time about really anything um has been such a big blessing here so word of advice sounds like find a decompression thing that helps you get better at something you're good at already because the weight room mm-hmm. being a decompression thing and not a sort of I don't want that yeah that probably helps a ton I'd imagine because mm-hmm. for some people I guess for me I'm thinking what's my decompression thing? like watching tv mm-hmm. or movies or reading a book mm-hmm. but it'd be helpful if I was like practicing broadcasting yeah yeah some- <laughs> well sometimes sometimes it's um not the best decompress because I want to go like hard but my body like like I'm you know exhausted or tired yeah so Sometimes I can't really get the most out of it that I want at that moment, but mm. I have to like, you know, be patient and be like, you know, I'm sore from, you know, practice and games and stuff. So yeah, it so it's not always like, yay, the yeah, weight Yeah, because it's not, it, gotcha. it, it always, it's sometimes it's not the smartest thing for me to go if, you know, if I'm not feeling good, but like that's what I want to do just because that is a decompression for me. But sometimes I got to try to be smart about it, but. Well, awesome. Thanks for coming in the studio, mm-hmm. and uh, thanks for doing the Deep Blue. I yes. think people uh, that haven't seen it will really enjoy it. And again, that's coming up uh, later in the program. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, they did great on it. Thank you. Our thanks to Lauren Gustin. Massive game for the Cougars between fourth place BYU and second place Portland, 9 Eastern on BYU TV and the app. Up next, you know, to properly celebrate the anniversary of the Miracle on Ice, we're going to recap the biggest miracles in BYU sports history. Remember this one? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Make sure you follow BYU Sports Nation on social media, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and Twitter. He is Jerem. I am Spencer. You know what time it is. Let's whip it! Cougar Whip Around, presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Spender, a favorite metric in the country is the <laughs> luck rating by Ken Palm. BYU ranks uh, ninth lowest oh. in the country. Um, does this make you feel better or worse about this season? It makes me feel worse about this season. That BYU's unlucky. BYU, catch a break. One break. Can Aiden Mahaney miss that shot? Can or Julian mi- Strother miss that shot? Can, can anybody miss a shot? Um, Just one of them. Down the stretch by an opponent. Um, yeah. Can no, we it, not foul Julian Strother down two at Gonzaga? Yeah. Um, no. I, yeah, I feel worse too. <laughs> it's, it's not. It's not great. That's, uh, no, I feel great. No, I feel oh. bad. Yeah. Could BYU not have lost to South Dakota and not gone down twenty in that game? Don't pile on. I know. That Sorry. horse is already dead. I apologize. I apologize. Thank you. Okay, Gusfraba. Yes. What? All right. That's What'd the word do? in anger management that uh, Adam Sandler is told Goose to use Braba? to calm down. Gusfraba. <laughs> I'm going to use that one. Nice. <laughs> Lauren Gustin is 23 rebounds away from beating BYU's single season rebounding yeah. record set by the great Tina Gunn Robinson. Will she attain the 23rd rebound this week? And if so, when? Uh, first half against Gonzaga. That, okay. She's averaging 16 a game. So seventh rebound will be in the first half. Okay, so with like yeah. two thirty-eight on the clock. I was gonna say I figured out 
kind of when that should happen. And I'm saying with four minutes and nine seconds okay. left in the first half. 409. Against Gonzaga. We'll have a clean house. So it'll be the second quarter. So 409 left in the second quarter against Gonzaga. Oh, in the second quarter. Yes. Left in the second quarter. Correct. Yeah, mine's in the half, so it's the second quarter as well. We'll, get, we'll play okay. close to the pin on that. <laughs> okay, Jamal Williams is in the running to make the Madden 2023 Ultimate Team. It's one of 98 players selected as the most outstanding NFL players. Should Jamal make this? Yes, based on just his pure entertainment value. <laughs> Come on. Can I dance in the game? Please. But he he belongs on the ultimate team. Vote for your boy. And he should he probably says. have an anime character Please. made of himself. Yeah. By the Somebody way, I draw that. Speaking of anime, I just started watching Attack on Titan. Good. Oh my gosh. It's amazing. We need to talk to Jamal about I this. I watched because I was, uh, you know, uh, feeling under the weather yesterday. I watched like 24 episodes in two days. Awesome. I've been going hard, bro. 30 minutes a piece? 21. Oh. Yeah. 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 That's a great day. Yeah, that's why. I haven't talked to my kids at all. Fend <laughs> for, for yourself. You <laughs> Thanks, Mark. 43 years ago today, the Miracle on Ice. Oh, Amazing. Uh, so good. What's the biggest miracle in BYU sports history? Okay, in a game, it's clearly 1980. We call it the Miracle Bowl, you know, the comeback against SMU, of course. But to me, the number one is getting into a Power Five. Oh. We've wanted this forever, Spence. It is a miracle. We did it. Like, we're going to the Big 12. To me, that's the biggest miracle in BYU. Wow, sports. that's off the radar. Yeah. Okay, and one I was not thinking about because I'm thinking about, you know, sure, accomplishments in games, but that, yeah, it, it is miraculous it's in fashion. And, and we amazing. celebrated yeah. it like it was miraculous. Yes. <laughs> By beating Utah the next and day. And then, yeah, followed it with the win. Uh, okay, I, lo I love that take. Um, I'm going to say there are, there are three that come to mind. Yes, the Miracle Bowl. The manga miracle has the word miracle in it, right? The, the game convenient. against Nebraska. Amazing. Amazing so, game so. right there. Mitch Matthews catches that. And then BYU beating Miami in 1990. That, that was miraculous in a fashion. BYU was ranked 16. True, People forget but this But Miami fact. was such a juggernaut. Yeah. That's Defending national champions. They finished number three that season. Best win in BYU history by It that. really is. Yeah. And then men's basketball against Gonzaga in 2017. That's a one-and-done NIT team that beats the number one team in the country on the road. I, I think undefeated. BYU was a 16-point or an 18-point underdog going into that BYU game. BYU was down 18-2 to two in that game, by the way. You forget won. that. <laughs> and won the game by eight. That was amazing. Overtime documented a game played on a fully carpeted court. How many times do you think you've played on a carpeted court in a church gym? A lot. A lot. That was I, I, one of your churches yes. uh, that way? I'd probably say at least 10 or 15 times I've played on a carpeted gym, if not more. Yeah, it's like 30 or 50 or something for me. I don't know. Carpeted gyms, uh, luckily we got away with that. To me, that's an apostate basketball <laughs> tradition. Um, we have actual gyms now, which is great. I've got some significant run burns or uh, oh, run yeah. burn scars oh, to show for knees, it as well. elbows. Ugh. Hold Holy on now. Cow. Yeah. Why? Apost no, why? Apostasy. Yeah. Jackson Emery probably has played on a carpeted gym. <laughs> Heard of him. He tweeted out an interesting take. He said, should the Jazz sign these BYU greats? 
Well, he, he, he didn't say BYU. Oh, he said, why wouldn't the Jazz sign? Sign these guys. Yes. Okay, so not yes. BYU. I was going to say, uh, Frank Jackson. Not <laughs> and BYU. Sam Merrill. Sam Merrill. These are the guys a, we wish a, had gone to BYU. BYU. Yeah. <laughs> In our metaverse. <laughs> all the great, they all went to all BYU. The great members of the church come to BYU. Should the Jazz sign any of those guys? Well, they just did. Frank Jackson uh, reportedly to a 10-day. Um, he says Sam Merrill, Eric Mika. Eric Mika's still in the game. Sam Merrill playing internationally. I can't remember where. Yeah, by the way, like I saw JT Carroll on uh, Sunday at the All-Star yeah. game, by the way. Utah Good to see State, him. great. And he says Jimmer Fredette. Jimmer's not, Jimmer not playing anymore? He hasn't played for like a year and a half, almost two years. He's taking it easy. Yeah, and, and he can. He's done well for himself. He's not retired, though. But, um, yeah, they are with Frank. Like, in the pursuit of tanking for Wenben Yama. <laughs> is, 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 is that what he's saying? Yeah. Tank for Victor. I, Jazz are too good to get the number one pick, though. I could see Eric signing a 10-day as well. Two co- couple of Lone Peak guys. Eric Jackson, knows Eric Danny Mika. Ainge from living in Boston as oh, a kid. Let's do it. It hasn't happened yet. Danny, sign Eric. Yeah. It's that simple. Yeah. Andy Reid would. Just sign all the BYU guys. <laughs> Come on now. Listen to BYU Baseball tonight as the Bad Cats take on the Raging Cajuns of Louisiana. 7 Eastern on the BYU Radio app with Shep. Do you think he's had gumbo down there? He has to have. Yes. I would hope so. Yes. If not, don't come back. He's a no carbs guy, though. Are there any carbs oh, in gumbo? Yeah, he is no Are there any gumbo. carbs in gumbo? I don't know. No. No, not really, right? I don't think so. It's just meat and protein, and we've got to find out. Delicious. Compelling questions. Up next, uh, Lauren Gustin. Really? We, we told you it's the Lauren Gustin show. She's it on is. the cusp of rewriting history. Mm-hmm. Where did she get that crazy competitive edge from? This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Welcome back to BYU Sports Station live from Studio B. It is a Lauren Gustin special today, and she has earned it. She's also learned to scrap and claw her way to being in games with her very athletically gifted brothers, leading to a determination to become one of the best rebounds, if not the best rebounder, this BYU women's basketball program has ever seen, while requiring her the will to overcome some emotional challenges early on. This is Deep Blue with Lauren Gustin. Lauren, to me, I, ha- I have to go back to the beginning. Lauren was, was born the 10 month of the year, 10 pounds, 10 ounces. And when I held her in my hands, she was a, a perfect 10 to me. And to this day, she still is. She was our oldest daughter, but she had two older brothers that she was always playing and trying to keep up with. I always wanted to be able to play with them at a young age, but it took a process and it was a grind to be able to prove that I could be able to play with them. And finally, one day when, when her cousins all came over, there, there was an odd number of players and they picked her to come out and, and play as well. And she had her opportunity to get on the court. Scoring is, is um... You know, it's flashy, it's, it's what you want growing up. It's, it's what most players want throughout their entire career. And, uh, you know, she was able to find a spot in those games by rebounding. And it meant a lot to her to be out there and to play and to prove herself as a player and as an athlete. I committed to the University of Idaho um, during my junior year of high school. And um, at the time, I was super excited and, uh, you know, looking forward to be able to go play college basketball and so it was just stress-free and I was able to you know enjoy my last years of high school just playing for a state championship. We moved to Arizona she was a junior and she won state in Arizona their team. 
we moved back to Utah as a senior, and then they won state. So I think that's a pretty cool accomplishment for her to be able to win state in two states. Who can say that, right? After I had graduated, I had the whole summer to you know work and get ready for college basketball, which I was really excited about. I was super excited to be able to start a new chapter in my life and to be able to finally play college basketball. And She got up there. We, we dropped her off the beginning of August. About four or five weeks into it, I could tell she was really not happy. She was struggling. I lost a lot of love for the game of basketball. I was, you know, dreading practice. I was dreading weights. I was dreading everything that had to do with basketball itself, which was hard for me because I had loved playing the game, you know, my whole life. When you're struggling mentally, it overflows into everything. So her studies were struggling. She was frustrated and she was really wondering and doubting whether or not she had made the right choice. So it was really weird and off to not be able to feel that passion and that drive for it anymore. And I was trying to find, you know, at that point, really any way to be done playing the game. I remember looking at a text from Lauren and, and it said, I'm, I'm coming home. You know, that, it took me by surprise a little bit. You know, I said, are you sure? And, you know, and I knew there'd been challenges there. And, uh, you know, I'm like, all these emotions are running through. You know, you've made this commitment. Um, you know, you, you, you need to stay. And, you know, it's not about what me as a father thinks. It's her and her mental health and her aspect of it and, and her perception of it. And so I just sent back a text and said, as long as you have a plan, I'm on board. I definitely doubted myself after, you know, leaving the D1 program because I didn't know if I was just strong enough to be able to play Division I. I ended up going to Salt Lake Community College. While I was at Slick, I think it was very eye-opening and I was able to be able to step back and breathe for a second and kind of figure out who I was again. You know, as they say, a stone becomes a gem through much pressure. And I saw the pressure that was on her, and it started to refine her with those sharp edges, so to say, maybe. It really was a blessing, in a sense, how this all came together at that point in her life. As soon as I actually was at Slick, before our first game, uh, BYU called me up and um, offered me a scholarship. And just being able to hear that from a school so quickly, you know, before I had even played a game was good for my mental health and my confidence in general. These little miracles started to occur. They were answers to prayers, her prayers, and our prayers as well. And we could see the Lord's hand in this work. When Lauren got to BYU, she had to sit out a year um, because of the, the NCAA rules with, with transfers. So those years of having to sit out and watch her brothers compete until she finally had an opportunity to get out and play was similar to when she came to BYU and had to sit out for a year and wait for her opportunity to earn it. It really takes a certain mindset to be able to sit out a whole year and stay in shape, keep your eyes on the prize, and, and be able to um, put yourself in a position throughout that year and you can have success the following year. Kind of like the phoenix rising up from the ashes, she, she was back. What I'm most proud of with Lauren is her persistence. She's gone through some trials, as we all do, as athletes do, and she's worked hard. A big part of Lauren having so much success with, with rebounding at the highest level and doing the dirty work is because she started from a very young age. and. She found success at it, and she found value in it, and she stuck with it all the way till now, all these years later. 
my journey through basketball was different, but I think that that was all part of God's plan and his timing because, you know, if I didn't go to University of Idaho and then Slick, I don't think that I would be the same player that I am today. It's all part of your plan and it's all part of the journey. Incredible story from Lauren Gustin. You can watch BYU's All-American candidate tomorrow in a huge game against second-place Portland, the fourth-place Cougars, 9 Eastern, 7 Mountain on BYU TV and the BYU TV app. Still on the way. And let me channel my inner 1980 Al Michaels here. Do you believe in the Rising Shoutout? Yes! This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. BYU Sports Nation is on demand. Download the free BYU TV and BYU Radio app to listen to the podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review. Welcome back with our question of the day based on Bill Connolly of ESPN's nice. SP Plus projections. Nice Al Michaels, by the way. Yeah, thank you. Good. That was terrible. <laughs> is BYU better no! than a five-win football team next season? What does our fan base think? Say yes. Our elite voice of the day presented by PAX no. Healthcare Elevated. Clyde Livingston on Twitter says, No! Actually, <laughs> he says, does Bill Connolly know that BYU has never lost a regular season Big 12 conference game? Never, ever, ever. And never will until they do. <laughs> Hashtag BYUSN. Today's Rise and shout out presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. We got Bumblebee uh, as the A1 today. Mm -hmm. uh, the Miracle on Ice. What a moment, obviously, for the United States uh, when we were both not born. But... Uh, that's one of the greatest upsets in, in history. We talked about our upsets uh, in BYU history. That, the sports are great that way because you, when you think you have no shot and you have one opportunity, as Miles Mathers once said, then, yes, you, you can come up with an upset. And BYU's had several of these historically. How cool is it that the Miracle on Ice and the Miracle Bull occurred in the same calendar year? Oh, you forget it. How about that? Yeah, I didn't Both think about in that. 1980. Yes! Yeah. <laughs> That'll help with the Al Michaels excitement. Our thanks to today's guest, Lauren Gustin. She's about to break another record, huh? I'm pretty break sure. It, breaking, yeah. uh, you know, opponents' wills as well. Mm -hmm. Thanks to Dennis for nothing. <laughs> for Jerem, I'm Spencer. Shout out to Tina Gunn-Robison. We'll see you in about 23 hours. Go Cougs. Yes!